forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning or winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hi, my name is Rich Duak. I'm the writer of Road of Bones, the uh, new comic series from IDW, and I'm here today to tell you all about our first issue. Uh, so let's start with the cover. Um, we got here is amazing drawing by Alex Cormack. Of, um, it's just like a road of skulls leading up to a barbed wire fence. Uh, it's a very cheery image, and uh, you know, pretty much tells you uh, what this story is uh, has got in store for you. Um, moving to the first page, uh, you've got um, drawing of uh, just the workers uh, working on a road in Colima, uh, USSR, and. So I want to take a minute to talk about um, the title Road of Bones and, you know, what it means because there is a real-life uh, Road of Bones. It's called the, um, I believe it's the R45 Highway in Kalima, uh, which is um, in a region of Siberia. Uh, the locals call it the road, just the road, because it's the only one uh, in the region. Um and um, the reason it's called the Road of Bones in real life is because, uh, you know, it was built by um, basically slave labor, uh, these uh, political dissidents and criminals who were uh, deported to these camps called gulags in the Siberia, in Siberia. And, um, you know, they were digging this road for... Uh, to be able to transport, like, um, you know, uh, ore from mine, mines in the region and uh, supplies and things like that across the region. Um, but it's Siberia, so, you know, it's the frozen tundra, and the ground is, like, frozen solid. So the conditions in these camps were really terrible. Uh, food is scarce. Uh, they work them like dogs. Uh, and... Uh, if a prisoner died, you know, rather than take them away from the work and set them to like digging in this frozen ground, what they would do is, uh, they would just drop them in the road and, uh, bury them, bury and pave them over, pave, pave over the bodies, um, which is basically what we're seeing happen on, on pages two and three. You know, Alex, um, Alex Cormack, our artist, um, he just does an amazing job here of, uh, you know, just showing this kind of like unrelenting brutality that went on in these camps. So we have, uh, you know, there's, there's one of the workers, um, digging and he just, he can't do it anymore. So guard comes up. Tells him that he better start, but he just has nothing left. So the guard uh, whacks him on the head with the butt of his rifle, 
and he, um, you know, he falls down dead. Um, what we got here on pages two and three are, are these two nine panel grids. And, and what I, what I really like about them is, you know, it kind of gives this page like, um, like a rhythm and in a weird way, it feels like almost like confining and claustrophobic. It's almost like almost seeing like the, um, the gutters almost as if they're the bars of, of a prison or something. And that's something that I really wanted to get across was just how bleak and hopeless the situation was. And, you know, it's pretty, pretty extreme way to start a book, uh, with kind of like a senseless murder. But, um, I think what I was trying to get across here in the script and what Alex rendered beautifully was, um, just, I just wanted to set the stage that this is, this place is about as close to hell on earth as you can get, uh, if you're a prisoner. Um, so then move on, on page three, we have our main character, Roman, who's, um, you know, you know he's just a prisoner here and the guard tells him to, to dig, uh, you know, for the guy who, uh, just got killed. And Roman sort of has a moment where we think maybe he's gonna, he's gonna resist, but, you know, he knows that, um, if he does, uh, he's just gonna get, he's just gonna get beaten, maybe killed. So he starts to dig, uh, the guards already kicked the body down into the road, and the last three panels are just this man's body, uh, getting covered up by the gravel. And then have the title, Road of Bones. Um, so then moving on to page four and five, uh, it's kind of like later in the day, the work's done. Uh, all the workers are lining up for their evening meal. And, uh, we learn that Roman is actually, uh, like a chef or, or like working in the kitchen and he's having a conversation with, uh, with the closest thing he has to a friend in the camp, this guy, Sergey. And Sergey's complaining because, um, He's last online and he's really just sort of getting the dregs from the bull. And the reason is because he, uh, didn't work as hard as everybody else or maybe he had a bad day or something, but that's how it was. Um, you know, it's sort of like the hierarchy and it sort of leads to this vicious cycle where it's like, if you're not strong enough to do your work, you're not going to get food and you're going to get weaker and weaker until finally you die. But, uh, you know, Roman's not heartless. So he kind of slips Sergey a little bit of bread, tells him not to tell anyone. And then we see like later on after everything, um, after everyone is done, Roman's sort of, uh, sneaking somebody else in food. He appears to be, you know, just, uh, trying to, put it under uh, one of the one of the barracks and he gets caught by a guard who thinks he's hiding something. Um, so the guard's like holding him up and he's telling him uh, you better show me what, what you put under there or uh, he says so help me I'll beat you twice as hard. And moving on the next page we see that Roman's been taken to uh, sort of like the prison commandant's office and he has been beat up 
pretty bad. Uh, and the commandant's reviewing his case, uh, you know, why he's, uh, why he's there. Uh, and we learn that Roman is in prison, uh, basically for telling a joke about, uh, about Joseph Stalin, who's, you know, the dictator of Russia at the time. And, um, and again, this is a thing that really happened. If you, uh, you told a joke at a party about Stalin or about communism, uh, if you laughed at one or if you complained or, uh, did anything and, and sort of like the wrong person heard it and reported you, you could just for that one remark have your entire life torn from you and sent to one of these places for, you know, a sentence of 10, 20 years. And, you know, we're talking about a place where, like, the average life expectancy is, like, a year at most because the conditions were so horrible. So it really was kind of like a death sentence. Um, and what I was trying to do here at the Commandant is, um, you know, I feel like uh, when you have, like, these, like, totalitarian states with, like, secret police and things, it's like they're, they're always... Uh, try to find a way to twist every single thing you say into uh, into evidence that uh, you've done something wrong. So the commandant accuses him of stealing and hoarding food, and, uh, and Roman says, I wasn't hoarding it, uh, which says, so you admit to stealing it. You know, it's like no matter what he says, it, it gets turned back around on him. And... Um, Roman admits that he was leaving it out there for someone. And, you know, the commandant is, like, wondering if it's maybe he has, like, a sweetheart in the women's section of the camp. Uh, but Roman says it's a Domovic. And here's where we learn on this page and the next page what a Domovic is. It's a, it's a creature from Russian folklore, uh, kind of similar. There are a lot of these creatures in, um, in European folklore and, 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 and in uh, folk tales around the world, they're sort of like this, uh, like a house guardian or helper. Um, you know, in, in Celtic folklore, they're called a brownie. Um, one common fairy tale that has similar creatures is, is like the tale of like the uh, like the shoemaker elves, where um, you know they kind of live in the same place as uh, as a family and. Um, you know, in Russian folklore, it's like, you know, you, uh, the tradition is you would leave out, like, uh, a little bit of food, uh, maybe, like, some sour milk or, uh, some, like, stale bread, like, you know, stuff that you weren't necessarily going to eat anyway, and that would be the Domovic's food, and in return for these offerings, the Domovic would watch over the house and watch over your family and make sure nothing bad happened to you. And, uh, so, you know, I think, uh, these guards and the commandant, uh, think it's, it's completely ridiculous. Not only that Roman believes in the Dominic in the first place, but he believes that it could be protecting him in a place as horrible as this. So they all, they all laugh at him. Uh, and, uh, you know, for his trouble, uh, the, um, the commandant gives him uh, double work detail for the next 60, day, uh, 60 days and 10 years onto his original sentence. And, uh, you know, Roman tries to protest, but there's really nothing he can do.
Um, so then on, on the next page, you see Roman working. Uh, he's really tired. Um, Sergey approaches him again and, uh, you know, offers to help him out. And, uh, you know, Roman is a little concerned because, you know, if, if you, if they see that, uh, Sergey is helping him, Sergey will get in trouble, but, uh, but Sergey reveals that he's sort of, he's got it taken care of because he's got some friends among the prisoners that have a little bit of pull and one of them would like to meet him. So we turn the next page and, uh, we meet, uh, Grigori, who's another prisoner. And, uh, I just love, I love the way Alex drew this page because, uh, he just, you can sort of like tell the first second you see him that, uh, this guy's bad news. He's, uh, he's covered in, in prison tattoos, um, which mark him as a, uh, a vor, which is a, um, it's basically, uh, a member of like an organized Russian, uh, prison gang. Um, have you ever seen that movie Eastern Promises or um, uh, heard about it? That that's, uh, was about the war. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting culture in a way. Um, the full name is uh, Vori Sakoni and it's um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> and uh, it stands for Thief in Law, which uh, roughly translated as Thief in Law. And uh, it's, you know, the idea is that they're, they're a crime family. Like they're, they're all criminals, but they're a family. And then they, uh, basically run, even to this day, kind of run the insides of Russian prisons. And, uh, you know, that sort of filters out into the, uh, the criminal world, um, just outside and in, like outside of the prisons. Uh, but, Basically, the lore are sort of um, the, uh, the royal family of uh, uh, organized crime in Russia, and like uh, if you if you uh, read about their culture, like again, these are like really brutal people, but they have like really kind of like deep and and interesting rituals. Like uh, you know, they uh, you know you have to sort of swear a vow. Um, Never to cooperate with the, uh, with the authorities, uh, to say that, uh, you know, prison is your home. Like, uh, if you get released from prison, it's like, uh, a lot of war will, uh, you know, they'll enjoy their time on the outside, but eventually kind of commit a crime to, to get back to their home in prison. Um, if you're a war, you can't get married, uh, you can't have children. Because the uh, you know the uh, the organization is supposed to be your family, and you're not supposed to have any loyalties uh, other than that. Um, they swear to never do uh, never do any honest work to just only sustain themselves by crime. Um, so yeah, nice people. But um, what we learn from Gagori is uh, is a couple of things. We learn that there's a conflict that's going on in the camps uh, right now between the Vor and uh, a rival gang called the Suka. And Suka uh, 
literally translates as as bitch. And this is a real thing. I'm not making it up. Uh, in the 50s, there were a series of uh, these just like brutal gang wars in the Gulag, and they were called the Bitch Wars because one of the gangs was the Supa, the bitches. And the reason they were called bitches is because um, when uh, when World War II broke out, uh, Stalin basically made an offer to all the criminals that were in the Gulag and said, if you go uh, and fight for the Red Army, uh, when you come back, you'll have a reduced sentence or maybe some privileges. You know, I'm, I'm sure it was different, slightly different for every prison. But basically the, the deal was like, uh, you go to the front, fight in the Red Army, and then, uh, you know, you're still going back to the Gulag, but when you do, it'll be for like a shorter time or maybe to meet your sentence or things like that. And uh, lots of the war kind of stuck to their guns and didn't take the deal, but uh, some of them did because, you know, years and years in, in a place like that, I'm sure you'd uh, leap at any chance to just uh, try to cut it down. But the thing was, is that um, since the reason they were called the Suka is because they were cooperating with the state, which to the war was literally turning bitch. But the, uh, the Suka in a lot of camps since they were already cooperating with the state, uh, they were sort of the gang that um, the guards might cooperate with in order to keep the rest of the camp in line. So, um, you know, if uh, people were acting up and the guards didn't feel like... Uh, dealing with it, they might just let the suka deal with it. And uh, what we have here is, uh, on these pages, we see that uh, Grigori is telling uh, Roman and Sergei that they're, uh, the suka are, are kind of starting to pull that in this camp. There's more of them getting trucked in, and basically he knows that there's going to be this uh, sort of turnover. Um there's, there's going to be, there's like a big fight brewing and, um, you know, Roman sort of thinks that, uh, you know, he has no idea like why Grigori is telling him this because what does he care which gang is in charge? But Grigori lets him know that he actually has a plan to take advantage of this chaos. And on the next page, we see Sergey and Roman uh, working in the kitchen and Roman is just talking about how insane Grigori's plan is. Uh, we learn that uh, what it is is uh, Grigori's actually planning for the three of them to escape. And the reason why he's uh, recruited Roman is because Roman works in the kitchen, uh, he has access to food, and he'll be able to stash it away. Um, so then again... Later on, we see Roman kind of uh, dipping into the stash, and we hear this, uh, you know, he, he's, like, going to be leaving some food out for his little friend again, and this time, we hear, like, a little scratching and scratching. So we don't know what it is. Uh, is it a rat? 
Is it Domovic? Uh, regardless, Roman's going to be leaving some food out. Uh, and Grigori catches him. And he thinks that he's, uh, he's skimming a little bit of food off the top. Um, you know, and then he kind of like laughs and says, uh, you know, I thought you weren't, you know, thought you said you weren't a criminal. Um, but he understands because he's a criminal himself and, and would probably do the same thing. Uh, you know, Roman tries to explain on the next page that he's, uh, you know, that's not what he's doing. But Grigori says, you know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But, you know, once we're out there on the tundra, you're going to get your share and nothing else. You know, he's sort of making his point that when, uh, when they're out there and their survival is online, um, if uh, Grigori catches him, the threat is that really implicit that uh, Roman's going to be in, in deep trouble. But Roman agrees, and then uh, Grigori leaves, and, and Roman's sort of talking to the Domovic, and he says, that, you know, I don't know if you're real or if this place is just driving me insane, but, you know, either way, here's your food. I'm mean, actually kind of see the, this hand come out of the darkness and snatch, snatch the bread out of Roman's hand. And then we are into the riot, which is another kind of, uh, I think this is one of like Alex's best pages of the book. Um, you know, it's, uh, he's, there are a lot of night scenes in here, but this one's different because there's like a lot of fire, uh, a lot of action, a lot of, uh, you know, it's basically, it's, it's a prison riot and, um, it just looks like, horrible like the guards are, are kind of scared one of them is uh wondering if, if they should shoot uh but the older more experienced guard is just saying no you know we have our orders just stand down let it happen because the suit guard are doing doing their job and, and sort of uh taking over um and roman you know is just looking out at this chaos and, and he's just like freaking out because he doesn't know uh if he's going to get out alive uh you know, he's just, uh, he's just scared. And he hears a bang. And it's, uh, turn the page and we see that it's, it's Sergey and Grigori come to collect them because it's going down and they've got to get out of there. Um, so Roman, uh, kind of, uh, complains that, uh, you know, they're gonna, they'll get torn apart. Um, Grigori says, if we stay, we're gonna get torn apart. Cards are going to be busy. You just have to take advantage of the chaos and get out of here. Uh, but Roman says they don't, don't have enough food. Definitely don't have enough food. Uh, but Grigori says, don't worry, we have a plan. Now they're, uh, they're sneaking out under the barbed wire and uh, a couple of guards notice. So they, they start moving and, uh, one of the guards points his rifle, but the, again, the older guard stops him from shooting. Um, and the, you know, the younger, more inexperienced guard is just saying, like, well, what do we just let them go? And the older guard explains, like, uh, well, here's what's going to happen. You know, they're going to get cold, they're going to get hungry, they'll head for a railroad or they'll head for a town, and they'll get caught and brought back. And then they can just beat the shit out of them. Uh, which, again, 
is how most of the escapes um, ended up. It's either they, uh, either people died from exposure or they wound up getting caught by either a patrol or uh, turned in by, by locals and things like that. And the guard is like, you know, one would just shoot them. And uh, the older guard tells them that uh, if they're dead, they're not going to be able to work. So, and if the guards are responsible for someone not working, they might wind up getting put to work themselves in order to take, take the place. So, you know, they're definitely not down for that. <laughs> uh, so on the next page, daytime again, and we see uh, three escapees kind of like working their way towards the mountains in this, uh, in this freezing blizzard. And uh, Roman is just like begging for them to stop because they're exhausted. Um, Gory wants to push on, and Sergei is kind of the peacekeeper here. Um, and... Uh, you know, he gets them to agree to stop, so they kind of find a uh, um, a rock to huddle up against, uh, you know, so they're out of the wind, and um, they're just sort of like looking at their at their stash of food, and it's pretty meager. It's uh, it's just some bread, uh, maybe a little cheese, a couple of vegetables. Uh, you know, Gregory says, uh, you know, I thought you'd been stealing from the kitchen for weeks. And like we have been, um, you know, Roman's a little bit worried that they don't have food, uh, and, uh, you know, but he says, I thought you guys have a plan. And, uh, Grigori and Sergey say, you know, yeah, yeah, of course you do. Just don't worry about it now. Let's just eat because we're free men. And, uh, so they eat, uh, you know, they, they kind of laugh because they're, they're out of that hole. And, um, next page, they're all asleep, just kind of huddled together. And, uh, you know, something wakes Roman up. He hears, uh, he's, uh, he says, huh? And he kind of smells something. He looks off in the distance and he sees a fire. And, uh, this sort of mysterious figure sitting at the fire. You don't really see the, uh, his features, but he looks very kind of like, gnarled and uh he's petting a uh like a white uh rabbit like a snow rabbit and uh he knows roman's name uh, so roman's having this conversation with uh basically the domovic um who's congratulating him on escaping but he's trying to warn him too because he's saying that the road ahead is uh littered with horrors as well um you know, tells Roman that they do not have enough food to make it, and the other two know that very well, too. Uh, and uh, the Domovic basically snaps the rabbit's neck and says, uh, out here, men do what they must to survive. And Roman says, my God, as he sees uh, this bloody rabbit. And the Domovic laughs at him and says, my dear Roman, there is no God here. No God but hunger as he tears into the, uh, into the rabbit's raw flesh. And that's where we end it. Um, on a, on a very high note. Uh, <coughs> and, um, and I should just say that, you know, the, the story in Rotobone, weaving through Rotobones two, three, and four 
you know, it just kind of gets, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of like darker, more extreme. Uh, you know, this is like a horror book. And one of the things that, uh, I wanted to do is just having, was it to be a, uh, just like a hard hitting horror book, like not really pulling any punches. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a dark story. Uh, but it's a story that got hold of me and, uh, just wouldn't let me go until I got it out. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, just overall, I think I found like the perfect creative team to work with because Alex is just amazing at, uh, rendering these scenes, whether they're these like dark night scenes or, uh, these bright, snowy day scenes it's just sort of like every panel has this sense of uh growing and and creeping dread and i think um justin birch who's our letterer uh does a great job also of like keeping the story moving and um you know just sort of keeping this like uh this really like great pace to it. Like it like in the, if, like to go back to the first three pages for a minute, like uh got this um the sound effect like a shuck and what I'm, what that's supposed to represent is is uh, a shovel going into uh into the dirt and um he's just got this great rhythm going on in the panels where we were seeing this like shuck, 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 and I could just sort of hear it in my head of just, uh, um, you know, the guy digging, stopping, uh, getting killed, and then, and then we're digging again, like nothing happened, and just this sort of like relentless sound over and over again. So I think, uh, you know, both Alex and Justin have been amazing like uh amazing partners and like uh bringing this book to life so i mean that's issue one we like to call it our feel-good issue because things just sort of go downhill from there um hope you enjoyed me talking about it and i hope you uh pick up road bones and give it a chance uh, it's a four issue series it's gonna be coming out um first issue's out now uh second issue is going to be in june and July and August, and we'll probably have a trade coming out later in the year if you want to read it in uh, collected form. Uh, if you want to uh, follow me on uh, social media, I'm uh, at rdueck, R-D-O-U-E-K, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, Alex is uh, at Alex Cormack. And uh, I believe Justin is at uh, Justin Birch. So... Um, yeah, hope you had a great time, and uh, thanks for letting me talk about this book. Uh, it's, a, it's a really special book to me because it's first uh, first hard title, and uh, and uh, it's just been like an amazing experience putting it together. So, thank you again. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.